0: in the second message yesterday afternoon I spent some time presenting a definition of experiencing Christ and the basic thoughts were these that we're not seeking to have some kind of experience all by ourselves Christ In his incarnation, human living, his ministry, his crucifixion, resurrection and ascension has a history of living as a God-man and all that he is and all that he has passed through and experienced are now elements of the all-inclusive Life giving spirit. And because this spirit is now mingled with our regenerated spirit, little by little, Christ's history, that is his personal history, will become our experience. We will enter into Christ and his experience. So when we experience the cross, it will be in union with Christ. When we experience resurrection, it will be in the resurrection power of Christ. And then also, Christ's experience will become our history. So the more we are in our spirit, and walk according to the Spirit in our daily living, the more opportunity is given to the all-inclusive life-giving Spirit to impart to us in specific situations aspects of Christ and his experience. For instance, the Lord was Viciously attacked by religious people, opposed, we sang in hymn 86, how he was hated, how he was despised. Then in one place in the Gospels, he said, if they call the master of the house, meaning Jesus, Beelzebub, how much more will they call his serving ones. In other words, if they did this to me, it would be magnified to you. So if such a thing happens, we don't try to deal with it. We don't try to withstand it. We allow the Spirit to apply to us Christ in this situation. Then spontaneously, we live out What is described in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 21 and following. Peter says of the Lord when he was reviled. He did not revile in return. But committed everything to God who judges righteously. So instead of taking the brunt of those things. Or being damaged by those things. We have Christ as our breastplate of righteousness. Christ as the shield of faith. Christ as the helmet of salvation. And then spontaneously, the Christ living within us, we just bring this to God. God, you know this is going on. We just refer this to you. And so this is an instance of any kind of thing In one trip, my wife and I landed in Singapore. And uh, maybe 50 million people visit Singapore in a year. And so we see these huge lines at passport control. And I'm, you know, kind of weary from the flight. But then I receive a gentle reminder, really not from the spirit, But for my beloved wife, this is an opportunity to experience Christ. I need help when it comes to this, and I need reminding. But now, we will um, make a major turn and to consider, I would say, another dimension Of the experience of Christ. And this put together. With Christ's history becoming our experience. Gives us the complete view. And the thought. Seems quite perhaps abstract. But. We pray that the veil will be lifted. And we'll see that. The all-inclusive Christ. Is the reality of God with all the divine attributes, with all that God is. He is the reality of man, of humanity with human virtues. And we will emphasize, He is the reality of every positive thing in the universe. When we see this, we will realize that every day we are surrounded by certain things which point to Christ. If you know that Christ is the true bread, he said in John 6, I am the bread of life, I am the living bread. He referred to himself as the the heavenly bread, the bread of God, and the true bread. So here you are having breakfast, maybe praying a little, thanking the Lord for the food. Then you realize the real breakfast is the Lord Jesus. While I'm having my oatmeal or whatever it is, I assure you, I'm getting healthy meals morning, noon, and night. At the same time, if I realize the real food is Christ. Right there, as I'm eating, as I'm having my healthy soup, I'm having borscht. Please come to Anaheim. All of you, come to Anaheim. We'll invite you to our house. We'll give you excellent beet soup. Borscht, okay? And, but you realize Christ is the real food. And as far as I know, this matter of Christ being the reality of all positive things was recovered through Watchman Nee's ministry. And there is a book entitled Christ, the Reality of All Spiritual Things. And Brother Neitz says, God does not give us things. He doesn't give you like mercy as a thing or love as a thing. God only gives you Christ. And we see this in 1 John 5. John says, God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the Son has the life. So God doesn't give eternal life as a thing. I give you this. Here is an element called eternal life. Eternal life is in the Son. Eternal life is the Son. You have eternal life by having the Son. So Brother Nee developed this. In his central messages. Then, when the ministry was passed on to Brother Lee, this was developed to the uttermost. For instance, in the hymns, we see this. In hymn 78, I'm so glad we sang that and devoted time to it. That's a testimony of Christ as the reality. <coughs> Of so many positive things. But if you look at hymn 198. Brotherly has a hymn about trees. Christ is the reality of this tree. And that tree. The cedar tree. The true vine. In hymn 200. It's a hymn on light. But I'd like now. To read and comment on. A familiar hymn which is new and fresh to me right now because newness is Christ and we're being renewed day by day. I know my outer man is fading away. I'm not despondent because I'm, I will be newer by the time I go to bed tonight than when I got up this morning because Christ is newness and we're being renewed day by day. Hymn 496, Christ is the one reality of all, of Godhead, and of man, and all things else. No man without him ever findeth God, without him man and everything is false. And eventually we realize this. Reality is Christ himself. Without him, nothing is real. Nothing people say is real. I cannot bear to listen to the talking heads on news stations blabbing. It's just vanity. The persons are not real. Their words are not real. The content of their speech is not real. It's false. But the same is true of me. Apart from Christ. I can't be a real human. A real husband. A real grandpa. Everything is false. And it's very deep suffering for thoughtful people. Deep people. To confront the vanity and falseness of the world system and of everything going on in it, and have nothing else. But we not only have vanity of vanities in Ecclesiastes, we go immediately to Song of Songs in the Divine Romance with the All Inclusive Christ. Stanza two. All types, that means the symbols and figures of the ancient time. So, all the types in the Old Testament, the offerings, persons like Moses and the high priest, and the good land, and the Passover and the Lamb, they're all types. And all things we ever need, both great and small, the things we need. Many, many years ago, actually 1971, Brother Lee was in my house. And uh, a sister asked him the question about, why do sisters, you know, often cause problems in the church? Then a little sidebar, okay, to be balanced. The majority of the ordinary problems, they do come from the sisters. The major Destructive upheavals are caused by brothers. And so it was, it was a sincere question from a sister. And Brotherly mentioned two things: vainglory and insecurity. Well, the matter of insecurity stayed with me in caring for my family, my wife. Well, we need security. This is a very deep need, especially in human females. Security is Christ. We need health. Health is Christ. We need encouragement. All this is Christ. Everything we need. Only our shadows of the Christ of God. Showing that he must be our all in all. And the Lord arranges uh, situations where we can experience him. I remember traveling in the south of the Philippines with my fellow warrior, Dave Higgins. And in one day, we gave three messages in three separate cities. By the time we got to the third... I had to stand up to speak. I hardly had the strength to stand. But then, this was an opportunity to experience what Paul experienced. The paradox. When I am weak, I'm powerful. When I'm sick, I'm healthy. When I'm tired, I'm energized. And so the Lord... Well, it's of necessity. We have to take care of this. And then he is the reality of our energy, of our strength, of our health. N- then we go on. All things are vanity of vanities. Uh, as soon as my daughter was born, I don't know why... I'd only been in the recovery for about 15 months. But I had a particular prayer for her. And the prayer was, Lord, I ask you, as soon as she is ready in her development, show her the vanity of the world. Then she got saved in children's meeting. And was saved dynamically through the faithful serving sisters. Then when she was about 15 in a church meeting. Because I had shared this with her. And she said, Dad, I'm beginning to see it. To see through the vanity, the falseness, the deceit. And this can really protect one from marrying the world system. All things are vanity of vanities, Christ the reality, all things to fill. Though everything we may enjoy and own. If we're devoid of Christ, we're empty still. So we may enjoy many things. Own many things. But if we're devoid of Christ, we're empty. And it's very hard for Americans to do this, to be alone and to be quiet for 15 minutes. They can't do it because if they turn off all the electronics, take out the earbuds, turn off the television, then they will sense the emptiness. Of their being. That's the sign. You're living a life of vanity. So you got. A new BMW. Okay you have this. You have that. And you enjoy that. For the moment. But now. You're alone. You're quiet. And something deep within. Is telling you. It's all vain. But many of us, by the Lord's mercy, can say the sense deep within us, day by day, is our life is full of meaning. Full of purpose. In whatever stage. Christ is our real food. I don't know what you would but he would say, if he said, Lord, you're the real pizza. I don't know, but he might. Our real Lord, Christ is our real life, our real light. Christ is our real food, our real drink, our real clothing, and our real might. And so I need to dress myself appropriately when I'm ministering the word. I don't think I should stand here with a pink suit on, right? I I don't think this would be uh, suitable. And so the clothes shouldn't draw attention to themselves. But how sweet While I'm putting on my suit, I realize my real clothing is Christ. I'd like to just be clothed with you so that's all that expressed is you. And when the prodigal son came home, because he was hungry, the first thing the father did was put the best robe on him. But we will need a second garment if we want to be the overcomers who are the bride. That is why Revelation 19 emphasizes her wedding garment. So this is Christ as our garment but not objectively. It's the expression of the Christ that Who has the Spirit is now expressed through our soul in acts of righteousnesses. Just countless acts of service, like ushering in a conference, serving the Lord's table, caring for the children, mopping the floor of the meeting hall. So many things, you are stitching a garment. Because we will need this if we're admitted into the wedding. He's our real might. And so um, uh, it's very interesting. For my health, I, I believe in rigorous exercise in, in a suitable place. And you find these young men lifting weights. And why do they do it always in front of a full-length mirror? (laughs) It's because they want to show themselves. Okay. And so here you are, you 20-something vain fellow, trying to build yourself up. One day you'll be different. I'm exercising to stay alive. Okay? (laughs) To be healthy. Otherwise, it's vanity. You're not doing that for your health. The motive is vanity. Okay. Christ also is the one reality of all our doctrine and theology. And all our scriptural knowledge without him is just in letter and is vanity. Well, let's just leave the theologians to themselves and those in Calvinism to themselves. Let's just realize, if we only have a doctrinal knowledge of what has been ministered to us, it's vanity. We have to begin with the objective knowledge. We may know the Bible so well the ministry so well, but if, if it's only in letter, it's in vanity. Um, due to jet lag mainly, my wife and I woke up about 3.30 in the morning, Friday. And uh, I was at peace, even though a fierce attack had taken place the evening before, through email. But we took care of that. And then she asked for my attention. Ron, I'd like to read you something. And she read Psalm 91. And it's like I never heard it before. Just how the Lord, we're in the Lord. We're protected from the enemy. We're in him, we dwell in him as our dwelling place. And it, and it ministered Christ to me simply by her reading that. So when I had the chance, I thought, I'm going to do an online search, first in Google, then in Amazon, to see if there are any helpful writings about Psalm 91. And there were books, there were <clears throat> sermons And they all had one characteristic. They neglected this was a psalm concerning Christ. Oh, it's just me and God. So they're reading Psalm 91, writing books on Psalm 91, without realizing this psalm is describing part of the history of Christ the only way I can have the experience of what is in this psalm is by being in the Christ who has this as part of his history. So he is the one protected by God. He is the one dwelling in God. Now I exercise to be one with him. Then, what we know is not vanity. Then finally, Christ, the reality of time and space. Christ, the reality of every stage. And let's just say, let's apply this to just the stages of human life. How precious. If someone got truly saved at 12 or 13, consecrated her or his life to the Lord and then as a teenager they experience Christ in that stage then they become a young adult and get married and have a family and experience Christ in this stage and then you go into middle age and the men may find out oh this is a critical time You experience Christ in that stage. And eventually, I think surely middle age has to be over by 70, okay? I don't know what you call it after 70. I asked one doctor, he may still be here in the UK somewhere, a gerontologist. I said, At what age will I be truly elderly? You know, They just like to know what the science is, and so he told me. And so I don't want to go back to be 35, or 42, or a young 60. I'm in a different stage. i like to experience Christ in the stage where I am. And so he's the reality of every stage. You don't have to be a strange teenager because Christ is living in you. You're a normal student, yet you're not worldly, and Christ is real to you. Christ is the one reality of all, through all eternity, from age to age. Then, before we come to the outline, I just want to mention some verses and read two or three, just to reinforce this uh, revelation that reality is Christ himself. So John 1.14, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, full of grace and reality. And then, later in verses, maybe 16 or 17, the law was given by Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. So imagine a person standing up and saying, I am the reality. But what would they say if someone made such a claim? You're either psychotic or you are Christ, the Son of God. So there is this person who is reality. And I mentioned before, this didn't happen recently, it started many years ago. There was just deep in my being a hunger for reality. I know a lot of things. I know they're true. They were real to Brother Ni. Nee. They were real to Brother Lee. I don't know how real they are to me. But Lord, I'm seeking you. And this reality is Christ Himself. He is the only true and genuine human being who ever lived. The only person who never lied, who was never false, never hypocritical. When he came, reality came. And then in John 16, we read some of this. Um, The Lord is talking about the spirit of reality. Okay, chapter 16. Okay. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of reality, comes, he will guide you into all the reality. I treasure this verse. From time to time I pray this. Lord, today, guide me into more reality. Just guide me. And everything I say and do, everything I am, guide me. The spirit of reality will guide you into all the reality. For he will not speak from himself, but what he hears he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and will declare it to you. This can be a daily experience. Just today. You're in the shower. Even while you're shaving. You to say, Lord, today. Guide me into reality. And then just something during that day. An aspect of Christ. Of the truth. Becomes real to you. And when it becomes real to you it constitutes you into a person of truthfulness of sincerity of genuineness the apostle john learned this and that's why he could write his second epistle address it to a known sister and her children he greeted them and say you whom i love in truthfulness there's just the genuineness the honesty the sincerity of it a little comment about the word sincerity in English and from both Latin and Greek in the Roman Empire at least for a period of time there was an industry selling marble, slabs and blocks of marble. And there were crooks then, as they are now, and some would have a block of marble that had a crack in it. And they knew they couldn't get a good price for this. So they would they would they learned how to fill the crack with wax. So it gave the appearance of being pure marble. But eventually the government got wise to them. And so there were men, their job was to be marble inspectors. And so they would inspect the marble. And if it passed the test, they would write on the document, two Latin words, sine sere, without wax. It's so good to be with people who don't fill the cracks with wax. (laughs) They're just genuine. But another example from the Greek culture It relates to very fine china. Cups. Plates. And again they had to be inspected. Because if you just would look at it like this. In this light. You couldn't see the fissure. The fine line of crack. So the the procedure was. To hold the cup or the plate up to. The bright sunlight. And the sun would pass through. And if there were any defects, any cracks, you would see it. And so the Greek word. Means judged by sunlight. So the reality. Is something that passes. The sunlight test. S-O-N-L-I-G-H-T. And this is what is most precious in the church life is to meet reality sincerity truthfulness in all the brothers and sisters. Then two other portions I go to Ephesians 4 and in verse 20 in 21 Paul says but you did not so learn Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him as the reality is in Jesus to so hear Paul is saying We need to learn Christ. That's an odd expression. Not learn the truth about Christ. To learn the person. To know him. For him to show you. (coughs) What kind of person he is. And then you realize. The reality is in Jesus. Everything he did express the divine reality in a human being. And then this opens the way for the Lord now to replicate his living, to duplicate himself in each one of us. And the reality was in Jesus because he did everything with God, for God, and through God. And that issued in the reality that's in Jesus. Now this reality is in us. And for the one new man. We are being trained. To know Christ. And to know the reality is in Jesus. Then in verse 22. In verse 24. We have a contrast. Verse 22. That you put off. As regards your former manner of life. The old man. Which is being corrupted according to the lust of the deceit. With a definite article. The deceit. It's personified. There's a person. The enemy. Who is the deceit. Then verse 24 And put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness of the reality. So here, the reality is also personified, referring to Christ Himself. So we all have to be able to realize this about the culture in which we were raised it's easy to realize it about other people's culture and national characteristics it's all in the realm of the deceit the old man is a totality of deceit there's nothing real there but the new man is the corporate living of the jesus In whom the divine reality resides. And here there is righteousness and holiness. Of the reality. When the Lord comes back. He will come for a person. For his bride. But a process is going on now. Leading to her readiness. And it's one process, but it has different designations, because there's only one church. So first, the Lord must have the reality of the body of Christ lived out in the local churches. Then this reality of the body of Christ will then be the developed one new man a corporate person full of reality and this corporate person is fulfilling Genesis 126 and when the lord has the reality of the body and the one new man the next stage is the same corporate person being presented to the lord as the bride And just by the Lord's mercy I say again. I'm not alone in this. Tanya and I. Live. And breathe. For the bride. We so much want the Lord to come back. The condition for him to come back. Essentially is. The bride. Has made herself ready. The body, the new man, and the bride. Then one other verse, then I'll go through the outline, and then it will be your opportunity to speak. First John chapter 5, and verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we might know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God And eternal life. So John says, We know. Certain things we need to know, not just believe. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. So you don't get this understanding by being a smart person who can go to Oxford or Cambridge and study. Under these professors. They'll teach you a lot of things. But they won't give you spiritual understanding. But a brother who's a welder. A sister who's a pneumatic mom at home with kids. She has this understanding. That the intellectuals do not have. So he has given us an understanding. With a purpose. That we might know him is true well we need to put the Greek into a form of English that we can understand but another translation is that we might know the true one but actually the Greek simply says the true the real I love this we might know the real I want to know the real. This is God, the real. And we are in the real. We are being immersed in the divine reality, in the real. And this takes place because we are in his son. So his son indicates the real must be the father, right? The son. So we are... In him and in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. So here we are, little by little we realize, on the one hand, reality has come into us as the spirit of reality. The one who said, I am the reality. In his resurrection was transfigured into the spirit of reality. And he is now in you. To guide you. Little by little into all the reality. To make Christ known to you. For you to experience him. For you to enjoy him. And get ready. For you to become him. To be constituted with him. But also, we are in the realm of reality. We are in the reality, God himself. And we're just surrounded by this. And now what we will see is when we're in the real, we can begin to understand that Christ is the reality of all that God is and all the divine attributes, and the reality of humanity, the proper humanity with the human virtues, and the reality of all positive things. And the outline will help make this clear regarding the specifics, so so I'll read it now. The all-inclusive Christ is the reality of all the positive things in the universe. So he's called the son of righteousness. Now art the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. I don't know the rest, of you? And, he, and so the, real, the sun that's shining over By day, that's not the real sun. Christ is the Son of Righteousness, because the universe, with the billions of things and persons in it, was created for the purpose of describing Christ. He, in revealing Himself to His disciples could easily find in any environment something or someone to serve as an illustration of himself. So a flower might be. Or a sunflower. Other kind of flowers. Every once in a while, but I can't, my mind doesn't let me do it, I get to, I get dizzy. I think about the vastness of the universe. Why is it so? What word can we use to describe the immensity of it? Why does it have to be so big? Well, I don't know. But my idea is God did this as an indicator. This is a sign of me. I am infinite. I am immeasurable. I am the reality of this. So I can say Christ is my universe. He's not only a planet, planet Jesus. We live in the universe of Christ. He's everywhere, He's everything. B, the Old Testament uses six major categories of things as types to describe Christ. Human beings, animals, plants, minerals, offerings, and foods. So you have all these pictures in the Old Testament of Christ. Human beings typify Christ, such as Adam, Melchizedek, Isaac, Jonah, Solomon. So when you read Genesis 14, Abraham is fighting to recover Lot and others in their possessions. And then a man appears, Melchizedek, king of Salem, with bread and wine. Where did he come from? What is his source? that is a picture of Christ who would like to come to you after you've been participating and carrying out his move. He'd like to come to you and refresh you with bread and wine. And so when we read Genesis 14, we see Christ. Then with Isaac, The details of Isaac being offered typify Christ. Two animals. Animals typify Christ. Such as a lamb. An ox. A lion. An eagle. And a gazelle. Okay. Only the positive things. Okay. So a rattlesnake. Cannot be such a type. It's a type of something else. <laughs> and so, what if Christ we have? He's a lamb, but he's also a lion. So, in Revelation 5, we see this. Who's, who's worthy to open the scroll? Oh, the apostle's crying. Things are really desperate now. But the last apostle is bawling. What am I supposed to do? Angel says, Stop crying. The lion of the tribe of Judah can open the scroll. But what he sees is a lamb. So for us, Christ is a lamb. You know, not bad, huh? (laughs) Not bad that he's a lamb, okay? But to the enemy, he's a lion. You know, there are two lions. 1 Peter 5, the devil is wandering about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But we also have a lion. And, and the devil, you're a roaring lion. But he just got a big mouth. You don't have any teeth. <laughs> Christ, our lion, has defeated you. Yeah. And all of us are lion cubs. Being trained for war. And then. What? An eagle. An ox. We need to know Christ as an ox. To serve. Oh you're just going round and round. Working. But yet don't muscle the ox. And I appreciate Christ as the ox. I don't serve by my own strength, by my own energy. I spent 24 years working on life studies. In the first few days of beginning to work, I had a conversation with the Lord. And I said, I'm willing to be an ox. Just going round and round, treading out the grain. But I claim nibbling, nibbling rights. And the Bible says, don't muzzle the ox. So I was alone in an office for 24 years grinding out grain nibbling everything I was grinding. So I enjoy Christ as the ox. Then when it was time for the ox to fly Christ became the eagle. e three plants typify Christ who is the tree of life. Such as the vine tree, the apple tree, the olive tree, the fig tree, and the pomegranate tree. The different parts of a tree are also types of Christ. Such as the root, the stump, the sprout, the branch, and the fruit. And we are trees in him. And we all need deep roots. Brother Nee emphasized that. That's why nothing could exhaust him. Because outwardly the tree is an environment. Of the severest suffering. But the roots were deep. And went. Could absorb. The water from the river. And you couldn't defeat him. So we need the roots. And all the other parts. For minerals typify Christ. Such as gold. Silver. Bronze. And iron. And different kinds of stone. The living stone. The rock. The cornerstone. The top stone, The foundation stone. And the precious stone. My elder son. Gave creative middle names to his two sons. So the first one is Joshua True Kangas. David said, that's a name. I said, listen, you're the dad. (laughs) You're the dad. Then the second one is Samuel Stone Kangas. And when he was in school at Acacia Wood and had to give his full name, he was kind of embarrassed to say stone. But his teacher wisely said, One day, Samuel, you'll be glad that your name is Stone. Uh, then they had a daughter, and her middle name is, is Hope. If he had another son, he might have named him Mountain. Right? <laughs> Gazelle. Okay. And so he is all of these stones. Five offerings typify Christ. Such as the sin offering. The trespass offering. Burnt offering. Meal offering. Peace offering. Wave offering. Heave offering. And drink offering. So we read Leviticus. And we see Christ everywhere. Foods typify Christ, such as bread, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, wheat, barley, milk, and honey. And so, last night, to to help my health, My dear wife prepared a warm drink with a certain substance and then milk and honey. Christ is milk and honey. Now, you don't drink a glass of honey, but just a little dab of honey sweetens everything. See, in the New Testament, Christ is the spirit of reality who makes the untraceable riches of all that he is, real to us, guiding us into himself as the divine reality. So this is an obvious illustration. I'm a little dry. I need a sip of water. But the living water is Christ. He told that woman In that conversation in John 4. May have a drink. It's odd you ask for me a drink. I'm a Samaritan. If you knew who was saying. Give me a drink. You would have asked him. And he would have given you. Living water. And whoever drinks of the water. That I shall give him. It shall become in him a fountain of water. Springing up into eternal life. This is John 4. Okay, I'd like to ask you. Gently. Has this become real in you yet? That right now you realize. The father is the fountain. In the depths of your being. You have a fountain in you right now. It's springing up in the sun, and it emerges as eternal life, and it's flowing toward the new Jerusalem. So we need to learn. We got a lot of help from the summer training on speaking to the rock. You're thirsty, eat us, speak. Lord Jesus, if you realize he's the rock, the smitten rock, and he's in you, and he's the water, it's all you have to say is, Lord Jesus. And the river flows. And you're refreshed. You're invigorated. You're uplifted. You're encouraged. You're healed. And it's very touching how he related to her. It wasn't like some preachers saying, You're a sinful woman. You're going to hell. You're under the righteous judgment of God. Fall down and repent. He spoke to her about water. And then he took a step and said, uh, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have one. And he said, you're correct. You don't have a husband. You've had five of them. And now you're living with a man, nothing new under the sun, who's not your husband. And so he enlightened her in this way. And he understood why did she go from husband to husband and then give up on husbands altogether and just live with a man? It's because she was thirsty. As it occurred to you, this is not an excuse. Last night, there was a lot of sinning taking place in Nottingham. And this morning, a lot of people feel quite miserable if they're awake yet. And one of the main motives was they're empty and they're thirsty. And instead of coming to you with a hellfire message, I'd like to come to you with the Son of Man who understands your situation and offer you living water. And when you, then he, he touches something to enlighten you. But it wasn't, she wasn't troubled when she went into the city. Come see the man who told me everything. Yet I got eternal life. And she brought a whole city to the Lord. How wonderful. I don't know how you would feel. If to your home meeting. Came a woman say. 47. She's really seeking. And you find out. She's been married. Five times. Living with a man you might say. Not good material. Well. Only Christ is good material. Forgiven. Sinners become good material. You read Luke 7, a woman who came uninvited when Jesus was having a meal in the house of a Pharisee. She got down at his feet, was weeping, washed his feet with her tears, wiped his feet with her hair, anointed his feet. Then there was a discussion. Because the religious Pharisee was critical. Then the Lord said. The one who is forgiven much. Loves much. This is one way how the Lord. Turns around. All that the enemy did. And all of the mistakes. All of our transgressions. All of our sins. Were truly forgiven. And our only response is, I just love you Lord. I love you Lord. So, and then D, the elements of the reality of all the types are in the spirit. They're all in the spirit. And the spirit transfuses and dispenses all these riches into us through the Lord's words. So the spirit does this. Then we're reading the word. We're praying with the word. And then the spirit transmits the reality of this into you. And it's endless. It's just endless. Unsearchable, untraceable riches. Of every positive thing. So every once in a while. As the year is getting close to the end. I try to count on. How many different beds we slept in in a year. Some can only, they can only sleep in their own bed. If they're in a different bed, they can't sleep. But I can say sincerely, my real bed is Christ. My pillow is Christ. My, My covering is Christ. True rest is Christ. Romans 2 Let no one therefore judge you in eating and drinking, or in respect of a feast, or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath, (coughs) which are a shadow of things to come. (coughs) Sorry. It's slightly improving, it's breaking up. Anyway, my spirit is still flowing. Excuse the cough, Dame. But the body, the substance, is of Christ. Let no one defraud you by judging you unworthy of your prize. Religion defrauds people; it lays upon them all kinds of commands and restrictions. As with a man's physical body, the body in two seventeen is the substance. And like the shadow of a man's body, the rituals in the law are the shadow of Christ, who is the substance and the reality of the gospel. Colossians unveils such an all-inclusive Christ as the focus of God's economy. So the Passover is Christ. The feasts are Christ. So we're not going to let anyone come and impose a religious requirement on us. And defraud us of Christ as the reality of that. It's not going to happen. Okay, You're not going to do this to me. And I'm not going to let you do this to my brothers and sisters. They have the right to enjoy this Christ. Be daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. Christ is the reality of every positive thing, implying the universal extensiveness of the all-inclusive Christ. See, we need to enjoy Christ day by day as the reality of our necessities. And when you're older, You just are more conscious of the necessities. But this is an opportunity for us to contact Christ as the reality of these necessities. Christ is my health. Christ is my endurance, my energy, whatever it is. So breath, drink, our food, clothing, and the dwelling place. So I sleep in so many different beds, stay in so many different places. So I might as well settle it. My only stable dwelling place is Christ himself. We fly, we come back home. We're here for a while. We fly, we come back home. Christ is our dwelling place, our clothing, our breath. I want to make this a further comment on breath. Gradually we will be shepherded to this point. And we'll put together John twenty twenty two. And Paul's word about pray without ceasing. Well, what is that? Well, I appreciate the direction Brother Lee pointed us in. The one thing we're doing ceaselessly through our automatic nervous system is breathing. And the Lord will gradually bring all of us to the point where we live him. Breath by breath. This is a small amount, breath by breath. Because now we're completely in the principle of the tree of life, which is the principle of dependence on God. And breath, breathing, Is the fundamental need. It's the sign of life when an infant is born. She's breathing. And so we shouldn't be shocked. We pray Lord that I would live by you breath by breath. Well then you you need. You need to. Realize the need for this. And you just live one breath. At a time. Just inwardly but quietly yet truly deeper within. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I can't live without you, Lord Jesus. I need you right now, Lord Jesus. And there's no sudden powerful Transmission of energy. Breath by breath. And in that breath. Is the all inclusive. Christ. Three. The Christ who is the reality of all positive things. Is the one who is the head of the body. Thus to hold the head is to enjoy him. As the reality of all positive things. Since the Christ we enjoy as our everything. Everything. Is the head of the body. The more we enjoy him. The more we become body conscious. So eventually. Because the one we enjoy is the head of the body. You will become conscious of the body. This indicates. That the enjoyment of Christ. Is not. An individualistic matter. But a body matter. The more we enjoy Christ, the more we love the other members of the body. One day I asked a brotherly a question in April of 1970 about a certain spiritual matter. I thought surely he'll explain it to me. He simply said, brother, spirituality is a body matter so for the last 49 years plus I've been seeking and learning what does it mean that spirituality is a body matter so now I can tell you it means spirituality is a body matter (laughs) okay And it's really true, the more we enjoy Christ, who is the church-loving Christ, you just love the members. Because Christ's headship is in resurrection, the enjoyment of Christ spontaneously brings us into resurrection and saves us from our natural being. The enjoyment of Christ brings us into the heavenlies in ascension. We can be experientially in the heavens only by enjoying Christ the head as the life-giving spirit in our spirit. As we enjoy Christ and hold him as the head, we absorb the riches of the extensive, all-inclusive Christ These riches become in us the increase of God by which the body grows for its building up. This is the all-inclusive Christ as the reality of all positive things. So once again, please pray with someone nearby. Then we'll have a number of the saints sharing.